I love the built environment. I've always loved buildings and architecture and planning and thinking through those sorts of things. But in thinking about this, I was like, really, I'm doing this because I love the church. I really love the church. And I truly believe that the church is the bride of Christ and is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I want to equip her to do that well. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Embedded Church Podcast, where we share stories about walkable churches creating new levels of belonging with their neighbors. I'm Eric Jacobson. And I'm Sarah Joy Propay, and we'll be your hosts on today's episode of the Embedded Church Podcast. I'm very excited to share with you my recent conversation with Sarah Joy Propay, my co-host for the Embedded Church Podcast. As you might expect, Sarah Joy and I go way back. But there's a bunch of cool stuff that I learned about her on this episode. For instance, I learned what propinquity means. And I discovered that someone is teaching a class, or was, on English literature and urban planning at Texas A&M. Anyway, Sarah Joy is involved with some really cool stuff through her organization called The Proximity Project. And I think that you'll get a lot out of our conversation. In addition to talking about Sarah Joy's work, this being our last episode of the season... Sarah Joy and I do a little reflecting on what we learned this season and what we're thinking about for next season. And we end with an appeal for you, our listeners, to let us know what you'd like to hear on future episodes of the Embedded Church Podcast. Sarah Joy, welcome to your own podcast. Woohoo! Super, woo-hoo, super <laughs> fun to have you as a guest on our show. Um, I know you interviewed me near the beginning of our season, and now I get to interview you at the end. So very excited about our interview today. But before we talk about your proximity project, I want to do a little debriefing about the show that we have co-hosted for the last 11 episodes. And I guess my first question is, what did you learn? Did you learn anything during season one from our guests? You know, I think I would say learned, yes, but more had things reiterated. Okay, Um, Things that were really good to hear again and again. And I think we will continue to hear them throughout all of our episodes, even into the future. But one thing that really stands out to me is patience. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I think for me personally, that's a struggle of my own of how do I be patient in my own work? How do I be patient in the things that I hope for? And just seeing so many of our guests talk about what that means to be faithfully walking those small steps and being patient because these types of changes that we're talking about don't take place overnight. Right. They take a long time, that long vision. So I think that was something that really stood out to me. And it was it was good to hear it again. Actually, I wish it was reiterating, but I think I actually learned it was, yeah. um, y- you really need to listen to your neighbors to find out what they yeah. think they want, rather right. than assuming that you already know. And I'm embarrassed to admit that that was an aha moment for me when I, I think it was... Um, Stephanie Williams O'Brien. Yes, Stephanie yeah. said that. And I thought that was a really beautiful way she both said that and then illustrated that with her story. So that was really right. cool. Yeah. Right. No, I would totally agree that um, patience and listening are the two things that really stood out the whole time for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, any feedback that you've picked up from guests or listeners since we started? Yeah. So one of the things too, that I think that has been really cool to see with our guests, which is not something that I went into this podcast thinking we would be accomplishing, but to hear from our guests that just being on the podcast and having time to share their story has been so Mm -hmm. encouraging to them. 
and kind of almost reorienting in the midst of their own busy lives of helping them reflect on, oh, this is why I'm doing this. And this is why our church has taken this particular posture. And just giving them that space and time to spend an hour with us reflecting on it has been really encouraging for them to press on in that. And I think that's been really cool to see because I love to give that as a gift because for us, it's a gift that they're giving us that time, right? But seeing that they see it as a gift as well. So I've really appreciated that. Yeah, I agree completely. I think it was almost like a a mission refocus. And all of us can identify with the way everyday life and running a church just absorbs so much of your energy. You kind of forget some of the mission components of what you're doing or the intentionality about place. And I thought it was really cool to see people use our interviews as an occasion to revisit those thinking and Mm -hmm. and, and kind of remember, oh yeah, we we need to do more of this. Yeah, definitely. And and to to communicate it with their people more because... Right, right. We're constantly having new people coming to church and have no idea why Mm -hmm. we're here, what this means to us. Mm -hmm. And I think too, when you're operating in that space every day too, you take for granted the little things in so many ways because you're like, well, that's just what we're doing, right? Right. Um, but that's not what just everybody's doing. And so again, giving them that time to realize like, oh yeah, we have taken some unique approaches and oh yeah, you know? <laughs> right, right. Cool. Yeah, totally. All right. So what about hosting a podcast? Neither of us have ever done this before. <laughs> and I think it's gone pretty well. But what anything surprised you or anything you learned about being a host of a podcast? I think, well... <laughs> I learned that I start almost every question with, I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah. Well, you're a curious person. So that's, that's good. Yep. So you pick up on those um, things that you do repeatedly in without knowing. <laughs> so that's been a funny thing to, to experience, but also just the process of kind of behind the scenes of what goes into making a podcast. It's been yeah. fun to learn and understand kind of strategies behind things. And there is a fair amount of technical work and things like that. But um, it's been good to have you alongside of me learning in that. So that's not all on my plate. And so hopefully that's been helpful for you too, to have someone tagging along and and learning these things together. So yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but it's been really enjoyable too. Yeah, yeah, that's been great. All right, and now is your opportunity to predict the future. 10 years out. Does the Embedded Church podcast and kind of the mission we're after with walkable churches playing a a key role in in the neighborhood, do we become more relevant or more obscure? Are we swimming against the stream or do you think the stream's kind of moving towards us? So I'm going to say both and. Ooh. (laughs) In the sense that I think it's going to become more and more relevant for the church to be at this table and really pressing into embracing our humanity and being physically present in our neighborhoods and with our neighbors and what that looks like. And I think that's actually going to become in some ways more and more obscure at the same time, because as our country moves more and more to this artificial intelligence and robotics and all these sorts of things, I think we're slowly disconnecting ourselves from that humanity that we all carry, <laughs> whether Ooh, we like it or really not, right? Interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I think that the church is actually going to be the entity really that carries forward this idea of what it means to be human um, yeah. and to embrace the the things that we've been given in that humanity. And it means a lot of joy. It means a lot of pain. And I think, you know, right now there's a lot of desire to escape um, that pain. And that's why our culture is moving in these other directions. And I think a lot about 
back in like the Irish famine and things like that and how the church was the kind of entity that carried things forward in terms of really ministering to people in those places of scarcity, you know? And so that's kind of how I envision this maybe moving forward. I don't know. Hopefully that's not too gloom and doom. (laughs) No, no, that's awesome. I think you put an interesting dystopian spin on it, which I think was kind of cool <laughs> and, and and probably accurate. So I think that's a good mandate for the church to stay yeah. human yeah. <laughs> and yeah. stay in, in the flesh, in the neighborhood, right. um, which is, which is really an important theme that we're after. I think I was going to take it in a simpler way, but, but probably helpful to have that as well. But I think demographically, this trend towards walkable neighborhood isn't just a blip on the screen, but really yeah. is something. I think it's just just from all sorts of perspectives, from an environmental perspective, from a scarcity of land perspective, from I think the suburbs, you know, lots of reasons for suburbs to continue in a lot of ways, but it's just, it's going to be harder and harder to sustain that model of development. And so I think as population grows and people want to find a place to live, we're going to find people moving into denser walkable neighborhoods as a matter of course. And, you know, whether the church is there to, to greet them and interact with them or not, I know we'll be pushing for the church to be there and be present, right. be ready for that rather than, you know, just selling their property and going off to some remote location. Um, right. But I, think, I think in that sense will be more relevant. So, yes, I definitely agree with that. We just got to get people moving to those walkable neighborhoods and not walking with their cell phone and earbuds all the time. Right. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> Well, it's been fun. It's been a fun 11 episodes. And I know we're going to kind of talk about the next season at the end of this podcast. But before that, I want to let our listeners uh, have an opportunity to get to know a little bit more about what you're involved in when you're not on the podcast. I know you have a life outside of this, uh, (laughs) which is awesome. Um, And you uh, are the the head of an organization called the Proximity Project. And so could you explain that to our listeners? Sure. So it's a business that I started... You know, it's funny. I mean, kind of five years ago now or so on the side of while I was working full time in real estate development. And it really was an initiative to educate the church around the built environment and these ideas that we've talked about so much on this podcast, because I was just questioning if the church really is all about loving their neighbor, where's the disconnect from understanding how that translates to their actual physical context and the opportunities that exist with their property to show love to their neighbors and how they could be at the real estate development table, even in their local neighborhood, um, advocating for developments that are more, you know, human friendly and community oriented and things like that. And as I raised those questions, I just was finding that, oh, it's not that they're disregarding these things in so many ways. It's more that they just don't have the knowledge or the framework to do that. And so in that process, I I started, (laughs) I'm that weirdo who... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who as a person, as a one person entity is like, I'm just going to convene a conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Why not? Um, so pulled together a conference here in the Twin Cities. And that was about five years ago now, um, brought together some architects and planners and pastors and just said, let's have a conversation about the built environment and what that means for human flourishing. And shockingly, I got people to come. And the response was really positive. And so many of the pastors said, we need more of this. We need to understand this. Like we've not been given frameworks to think about this sort of thing. And so over you know several years, I convened various lunch and learns and other conferences and things like that. And really just finally got to the place where I wanted to take this full time and really 
dig into it because it's just become such a passion of mine. And I think what's been interesting too is I love the built environment. I've always mm-hmm. loved buildings and architecture and planning and thinking through those sorts of things. But in thinking about this, I was like, really, I'm doing this because I love the church. Yeah, I yeah. Really love the church. Yeah. And I truly believe that the church is the bride of Christ and is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I want to equip her to do that well. Yeah. And so this that's really the goal of this. And so educating churches. And then I have several churches um, that I work with to think creatively about their properties with doing placemaking and uh, real estate development work, just helping advise on how do you think strategically and see your property really as a resource. And not come from a scarcity mentality, but an abundance mentality. And how can we be creative with what you have? Yeah, very cool. So just help me get a clearer picture. If a church wants to engage their neighborhood more than they are utilizing the built environment and they see something about the proximity project, they contact you. What what happens next? What do you actually do with that church? Yeah. So some it takes various forms, but okay. sometimes it's kind of teaching them how to walk their neighborhood, um, even keep their eyes out for stakeholders and thinking more broadly about who that involves. I think so often automatically stakeholders are, you know, the person that comes on a Sunday, maybe the person that rents your space on a Monday. But I'd like to expand that to think about, well, do you have a bus stop that's near your property? So maybe the bus stop users are actually a stakeholder on your property. Mm. You know, are you next door to a library? They're, you know, so library patrons, are they maybe a stakeholder with your property? So really anybody who's kind of coming in contact with your property on a regular basis, what does that look like to consider them and to consider how your property is life-giving or not to these people? So that sort of thing, I think understanding too, if there is excess land that they have, what does it mean then to understand um, what the community needs are? How do you engage the community? So again, helping them uncover who are some of those strategic people to be connecting with in the local community and how do you start having those conversations? So I've gone to neighborhood uh, association meetings with pastors, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and been kind of that backup as the pastor stands up and says, "Hey, I've actually never met y'all, but we live or we live, <laughs> we worship right. next door, you yeah, know, yeah. and and I want to introduce myself and I want to start entering into this conversation." So. I provide uh, moral support and some of those things sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So just helping them think creatively the avenues to start really building those relationships in their neighborhood. So that's some of the ways that I come about it. That's awesome. So let's say a church in like Idaho is potentially going to work with you. Do you begin with kind of a phone conversation? Do you do some like online research? And then I assume eventually you show up on site or that's likely to happen as part of your services? Yep. So that's usually how it starts out a phone conversation. Kind of tell me a little bit about your context. You know, what are your concerns you've got going on? If you have concerns or, I mean, I've had churches say, you know, we've got development happening all around us. We don't know what we should do. How do we engage with that? And then I'll do some of my own research and just a lot of times ask them a lot of questions of, you know, well, I found, I discovered there's this group or this thing happening. You know, do you have any connections there? What does it look like to engage that? Have you gone to the neighborhood association? So raising a lot of those questions and then, yeah, coming on site and being able to kind of help facilitate some of that work too. I mean, just being able to walk their property with them and help them to give, um, think creatively, give some outside of the box ideas. I think too, I'm seeing this more and more as a gift. Uh, this is just how my mind works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but apparently not all the world's minds work this way. Yeah. So I'm trying to recognize, oh, this is a gift that God has given me. Yeah. Uh, 
I am just an out, out of the box thinker so often. And I, my mind works in a hundred directions at once of like, what are the partnerships? What are the creative things that could happen to make this place better? And so a lot of times it's just walking their property with them and saying, well, have you thought about this space or what about this? And do you know a person that could do this? And you know, right, right. It's helping them start connecting some of those dots and think creatively. That's awesome. I love that. I want to ask for more specific stories. But before that, I, I got to know where that name comes from. I love the word proximity, so it doesn't surprise yeah. me. But I know there's a, there must be a reason why you chose that name. Yeah. <laughs> well, names are super important to me. And I was an English major, so I'm a total word nerd. And I was thinking one day, just what does it mean to, you know, the space adjacent to you, right? In proximity to you, how do you, I want churches to be thinking like what is literally proximate to, um, to them and what is their context? And so I was like, oh, I have the perfect name. I'm going to name this Propinquity Project. (laughs) You're kidding. (laughs) No. I don't even know what that word is. What is that yeah, word? Right? Okay. So <laughs> thankfully <laughs> Pro, I have some very... Propinquity. Propinquity. We're gonna yes. put that on the um the glossary from our for our website <laughs> listeners. So thankfully I have some very good friends who are much more realistic than I am and not as much of word nerds. And I, I like bounce the name off of them and they're all like, what does propinquity mean? And I was like, well, like proximity. And they're like, why don't you just call it proximity project? <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, oh yeah, that's that's probably better. And then I had one friend be like, and that's just really weird because your last name is Propay and like Propinquity. Like it just said, that's, that's not going to work. A lot of similar sounds there for sure. <laughs> so yeah, so I went with Proximity Project and I've loved it ever since. Um, I think it's like, I'm very proud of that name. But again, just having people think of what is in proximity to you and how do you yeah. minister to the needs of the neighborhood and what does that look like to, yeah, yeah. consider that. leveraging our proximity. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's so cool. Can you tell a story about when you felt you did something helpful, useful for a church? Yeah. So I have like a few stories. I won't make them long. Okay. Uh, But they're varying like degrees of this. So I would say one of the first stories that I want to share is actually was a member of my own church here in the Twin Cities and as a, a friend of mine. And I gave a talk at the church about the built environment and human flourishing. And she came back to me a few months later and just said, Sarah Joy, I want you to know that after hearing you talk, two things. She was like, one, I will never walk my neighborhood again in the same way. Oh, wow. She's like, because I cannot walk my neighborhood without thinking about like the things that you pointed out and just being so much more aware. And she's like, and on the flip side, I will never read my Bible again in the same way. Whoa. Because she's like, I can't not read my Bible without this lens anymore. And she's like, sure. and it's been amazing to see. And that just meant so much to me. <laughs> I was blown away. I was like, okay, yeah. great. You know, that's awesome. And it was really small, but like yeah. it was so significant. And I was like, even if it's one person at a time like that, like yeah, changing the way they see things. Yeah. 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 So that's one. Um I think what has been cool to see too is one of the churches that I worked here um, in the Twin Cities with, we did a a walking path on their property. Mm-hmm. And one of the associate pastors was out there one day spreading mulch on this pathway. And he had this woman who was from a neighboring property come up and just kind of stand there and 
and watch him for a couple minutes. And he's like, just kind of kept working. And then finally, he's like, I didn't know what to do. So I stopped and I asked her, I was like, you know, oh, am I, am I bothering you? Or, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, you know? And she was like, no, I just don't understand what you're doing. And he's <laughs> like, oh, he's like, well, you know, I'm associate pastor at this church. We're going to put in this walking path. We want like people in the neighborhood to be able to use it and to like enjoy our property. And because they've got a lot of like natural beauty things going on in their property. And, um, and she says, well, can I shake your hand? And she's <laughs> like, um, okay. <laughs> So he like, he shakes hands with her. And she said, I just wanted to shake the hand of a pastor who would be willing to do this. She's like, I've never met a pastor who would be out here like shoveling mulch to put in a walking path to like better the community. You know? so cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like, those are the little stories that really encourage me that really say, okay, these things make a difference. Um, Because, you know, so often I think people think like, oh, a walking path, but the steps to getting there, the steps to establishing that relationship and building that space um, is what leads to like the changing of relationships, right? Yeah. Uh, and the fact that she perceived that as an act of love to the neighbor, yeah. you know, like it was right. a really tangible thing that wasn't just saying love your neighbor. It was, you know, yeah, putting actually. The, rolling up the sleeves <laughs> and doing something. Right, right. Was an action. So yeah, that's cool. What totally. Else? Yeah. So it's, I like those types of stories. They really say like, this is working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. So when a church contacts you, what, what are they most often looking for? What do you think there kind of drives that? Is it, is it usually a, you've got a building project they want to steer in a particular direction or is a, a, a crisis that has come up or what, what kind of drives them to you? You think? Yeah, I do feel like it's kind of both of those things oftentimes. Okay. And I feel like they're looking for efficient real estate solutions. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, which it's hard because I I want to be able to steer them well and give them efficient solutions. I want to. Um, I mean, I've worked several years in real estate, and that's valuable knowledge that I want to share and be able to help guide them in that process. I also have a heart for the community and for listening. And those things take time, as we've yeah. talked about on this podcast. So things are, you have to be patient. And so I think it's always a tug of war inside of me um, to, with clients of understanding what is that right balance of, of giving efficient solutions and, and getting them down a path um, to help them because sometimes they are in a time of crisis of, you know, we can barely afford to maintain this property anymore. Right. But then also, being able to take a step back and encourage them to really, you know, how do we do this strategically and do it well and do it different than your standard real estate approach. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's fascinating here. And I think that's, you know, that in some ways gives a, a different angle. And I tell people like, I feel like I stand in this like translating role between mission and real estate because I can speak the real estate language, but I also understand the mission of the church. And so I can play this translating role that these things don't have to be two separate things. We can bring them together. Right. And so, you know, and it's it's just interesting because I feel like here I've seen so often a church doesn't quite know what to do with their property. They talk to a broker and the broker's first opinion is like, oh, the highest and best use is to like raise your church building and to like sell this land to a developer and like make, you know, a few million dollars. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and, and that's very attractive to a church that's like financially struggling, right? Right, right. <laughs> but I immediately am like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like 
tear down a building built in 1900. Let's take a step back. This is a huge resource that was right. given to your congregation many years ago. How yeah. do you be good stewards of that? And how do you think strategically? And, and that might be tearing down a part of it. That might be repurposing a part of it. That might, you right. know, and ultimately, who knows? Maybe right. tear down is the best option, but let's, let's think about more the mission and the neighborhood as well before we just. Yeah, you want to advocate for proximity that they might not see. Like, oh yeah, we can get $3 million and then move 20 miles and build something different, better, more efficient. But you're like, wait a second. Right. Someone was called to this neighborhood. (laughs) To this location. Right, right. So what's the history here and how do we... Yeah. How do we uncover that um, and dig a bit deeper? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I think you already answered the question. I'll ask it anyway. But what what do you wish they would be asking? So I thought about this question a bit. And I wish that they would say to me... I don't know if anybody would ever say this exactly. But you, can, you can wish. <laughs> no rules on these wishes. But I wish they would say, how do you teach us to be wise risk takers? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because no church ever comes to me saying, we want to take a risk and t- like help us do that well. <laughs> um, and that's what I want to do. I really want, because, you know, I, I, I care about them succeeding. So it's not like I'm going to, you know, advise you to do all these like foolish things, but I'm also not going to play it safe. You know, <laughs> I'm going to stretch you. Um, and so I, I would love for churches to be more, excite more contacting me to be like teach me how to be stretched <laughs> yeah yeah because they're probably behind a lot of their questions is how do we maintain our safety in the yep. midst of something that's upset the the status right. quo right i mean like for example it's like you tell them to put in a little free library and it's like well what if somebody puts in like books we don't agree with <laughs> <laughs> oh come on you know <laughs> take a risk <laughs> yeah 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 that's so. really cool. I love that. <laughs> I hope I'll be praying that you get that phone call sometime this year <laughs> in the new year in 2020. Someone's going to contact you and say, we would rather fail fast than die slow. <laughs> yeah. Help us to take the right kind of risks and maybe even succeed. Right. In this process. Um, all right. You, church, if you're listening right now, get ready. Because <laughs> that's Sarah Joy's new mandate. So let me uh, let me let's talk a little bit about you back back to your backstory here a bit. I'm curious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so you're an English major, and yeah. uh, then you were in real estate development. Help me get from A to B. <laughs> yep. So I had an English professor that I just loved. And my last semester of college, she was teaching a cross-listed chorus of urban planning and English literature. And what? I only took the class. I know. It was an amazing what, class. What college was this? Texas A&M. Texas A&M. They taught that class. Wow. Yeah. Hands off to Texas A&M. <laughs> yeah. And so I took the course simply because I wanted to take one last class with her. Yeah, yeah. And one of the first books that they had us read was Suburban Nation. Nice. And I was blown away. And I think I'd always disliked, you know, being in the car and that sort of lifestyle, but didn't really have, again, language to put to it or why it felt so isolating. So reading Suburban Nation was really impactful. But then actually what was super interesting is that we had to read Mrs. Dalloway, which is a literature story in the class um, by Virginia Woolf. 
And this, the story takes place all in one day. And it's one character, Clarissa Dalloway. And it's her walk around London as she's running errands for a dinner party that she's hosting that night. And if you map out her walk, you actually get an accurate map of London at the time. So it was very strategic of Virginia Woolf, the way she wrote this story. And it's really interesting because Clarissa, it's just after World War II, but as she's walking London, she's like kind of reflecting on the difference of when she, there were shops that she like knew people by name and like people who, you know, mended the clothes of her grandfather. Um, and then in contrast, she has a young daughter who hops on the omnibus and goes to like the flashy part of town. And there she's like kind of confronted with mass consumerism and just the whole interactions with like the shop owners there is just very different. It's um, very much stranger to stranger sort of interaction um, and like very discombobulating for the characters and all of that. So it's interesting. So even the characters as they're like interacting kind of with this like transition in society to like mass consumerism, they like don't know how to manage it. And so it was like a very story way of encountering urbanism and urban planning and all that. So yeah, it just stuck with me (laughs) and I couldn't get it out of my brain. And so (laughs) after English undergrad, I went and did a few other things, but I kept coming back to this planning element and would just go to the library and check out books um, and read them on my own. And then finally had the courage to go to grad school for it. I thought that I had to like know a bunch of urban planning stuff before I went to grad school. And then I found yeah. out I didn't. So then not, I was like, oh, case. Yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> English majors accepted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Sweet. So grad school and then you kind of started working in the industry, uh, working for yeah, someone. Yeah, after grad school, I did a few different things, um, affordable housing research. And then, um, yeah, and worked for a couple of cities while I was in grad school. And really kind of throughout those times... I came to see that real estate development was really boots on the ground, how things get done. So I wanted some experience in that. So I found a job in real estate development. Never would have told you in a million years that I would work in real estate development. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But learned a lot and super thankful. And yeah, it's fun. I've always loved construction sites. So, Oh, cool. Yeah. As, a, as a little girl, you were out yeah. there watching the, the back loader and whatnot. That's yeah, so cool. I was. Um, and in fact, my family added an addition onto our house when I was about five. We built a fourth bedroom onto the house and I would play on that concrete slab and like the wood framing and yeah. nails. Oh man, it was, I was in heaven. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so, so at some point then some of these interests converge, the built environment neighborhoods and churches. How did those pieces come together for you? Yeah. So I mean, part of it, a lot of it, I a credit to your book in grad school is when I read your book. And that... Wait, how, did, how did you find my book in grad school? Yeah. Did someone assign it to you? No. Um, yeah, I was at a public university. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they weren't They're reading your book gonna, there, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, understandably. Uh, yeah. But I did have a friend who was an urban planning professor and a Christian himself. And he came across it. I don't know how he came across it. But he yeah. said... He asked me if I wanted to read it together. Mm. And I said, yeah. And so uh, we read through it together. And it was like, oh, this again, it was... It was interesting because I think like what happened is like suburban, like reading Suburban Nation, it's like, oh yeah, this all makes like total sense. And like we're created for human connection, not this isolation and disconnection that we've built for ourselves in so many ways. 
Um, and as a Christian, like seeing it through the lens of the gospel and understanding, you know, the call to be in community in that way made so much sense. And then, you know, reading your book, I'm like, oh yeah, like Eric is taking all the things that like the lens kind of that I read Suburban Nation with and he's like writing it out, you know? Yeah, yeah. which is exactly how I wrote it, actually. I, yeah. know, I had just read Geography of Nowhere, Suburban Nation. Okay. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my tribe, my Christian community needs to read these books. So, you know, I'll yeah. try to point people in this direction. You you went the other way. You read Suburban Nation first and found that, but I was yeah. definitely in that same conversation. Right, so, right. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, and I think I thankfully have been raised in a home with parents who see the world very much through this, I always say kind of kingdom vision of everything that we do and touch and see is through the lens of the gospel. And so there's not been that disconnect in my life of, oh, I go work in real estate development and then I go to church on Sunday. And these are kind of two separate categories. I view the work that I do in real estate development through the lens of what does that mean for me as a Christian being at this table, you know, and thinking about like how that manifests itself is I just remember so often sitting in meetings with architects and contractors and, and you, I mean, you're talking about like technical things, right? So right, <laughs> I'm right. not going to be like talking about Jesus, like while we're right. <laughs> going through like bid reviews and things like that. But even in sitting there in those meetings and so often I would just think and pray to myself in those meetings, how do I treat the people that who are on my team in such mm. a way that they are more alive to who they are and they're more like able to lean into the gifts that they have been given and like validate that in them as a person. So anyways, all of that is like, I feel like I've been given such a gift of parents who who approach life that way. And so for me, that's been a very natural thing to do. And so thinking about, well, I love real estate development and these sorts of things. And I love the church and like, how do I bridge these things um, and make them into full-time what I'm doing. Love it. That's so cool. That kind of is a good springboard to my next question. And that is what, besides you found my book, have there been other books out there that you've found helpful to develop your own sense of how to do this or that you might share with churches as they're trying to figure out how to connect with their neighborhoods? I feel like that's like two different questions. Okay. Because some yeah, of the books... two different questions. You're right. Yeah. Now, as <laughs> I was saying... Some of the books them, yeah. that I like are going to be a little bit heady. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say like, oh, here, church, start with this. <laughs> right. Because you don't want to have a book with the word propinquity. What was the word again? <laughs> Propinquity. <laughs> Propinquity in it, for instance, that you have. Right. That, that's just going to put off your uh, your client. Right. Yeah, totally. Propinquity. Um but I do think, I mean, and there's most of the books that I feel like we've talked about in this season one, but I'm looking here on my bookshelf, but Walkable City by Jeff Speck. Oh yeah, that's a great book. Yeah. I think it's just really helpful for people understanding the value of that for us in our lives and our our happiness and ability to connect with community. Then also Happy City by yeah. Charles Montgomery. Yeah. I don't know if everybody's talked about that one on this episode. Mm, this that's a great book. That's, and yeah. that's somewhat recent for me. I've only read it in the last two years, but I've yeah. loved it. Yeah. One of my favorites. Book. Yeah. yeah he does really a good job. Um, so another one that I love that, but I think might be fairly abstract for some people, but I think architects would appreciate it, particularly if there's architects that listen to this podcast, Elaine de Botton, or how do you say his last name? It's French. Uh-huh. The Architecture of Happiness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I've, really, I've not read that one. Yeah, I really... I should. You should. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Um, and even too, I think what's fascinating 
this is like big tome and I don't recommend people read it necessarily, but A Pattern Language by Christopher Alexander. Uh, of really just understanding kind of, I think that's what's like so amazing is that God has designed us and created us like with these patterns that as human beings, we respond to, right? Um, and I think that Christopher Alexander does a great job of unpacking kind of what are these patterns that create good design that feel really good to human beings. You know who else kind of touches on that is Kunstler in his... Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's his second book, but it's the one after Geography of Nowhere, Home from Nowhere. I think he gets into... <laughs> and he talks about charm, which is such a throwaway word. But I think he uses charm in that way. That charm is when a pattern resonates with our own sense of what's right and we're drawn to it. And I think that's such a like... For someone who like, you know, doesn't at least speak about his faith, may not have a faith, but, you know, there's definitely someone of faith can see God behind that connection. Right. Yeah, right. For yeah. sure. That's cool. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, before we um, return to kind of what's next with the podcast, I want to make sure any of our listeners who were piqued in their interest know how to take the next step with Proximity Project. That person that wants to take a risk and wants to have you help them, <laughs> yeah. how are they going to get in contact with you to do this? Well, a couple things. You can either send me an email and that's Sarah Joy, S-A-R-A-J-O-Y at proximityprojectinc.com or you can visit the website, which is www.proximityprojectinc.com and there's a form on the website too that you can fill out and it pings me with an email. So um, those are the best ways to connect. Yeah. Yeah, I bet there's I bet there's more than a few churches that listen to this that would want to at least get in touch with you and see what dream a little bit with you about what they could do with their own property and, yeah. and neighborhood. So that's cool. Awesome. Well, Sarah Joy, thanks for filling our listeners in and filling me in. I think it's really cool the way that you have followed God's call on your life and are are making a difference and really doing stuff. I I in in my own stuff, I I love to write books and I I work with one church, but I feel like I'm just so limited in the kind of on the ground experience with things. And I think you bring a lot of good um, practical examples of, yeah. of where this is working and where it's not working and what the hard questions are and what the barriers are and how, how we get through it. So anyway, thanks yeah. for doing what you I do. Hope, That's cool. I hope to do that for people. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk about What's next? We kind of took this on as a little bit of a lark to see if it, it had legs. And I think we both feel like it does. And we've been talking a lot about episode two in our own conversations, maybe not with our listeners. Episode two or season two? That's right. Season two. Season two. Yes. Yeah, season two. Uh, coming out uh, hopefully in the spring. So yeah. um, as we kind of think about that, it might be fun to talk just a little bit about what we might want that to look like. We're going to talk maybe about what might be different about season two, but let's talk about what what we think ought to be the same. Like, what do we what do we what do we like about what we did in season one that we want to keep doing in season two? I think these are fun questions because what we say, maybe our listeners won't agree at all. Yeah, totally. And so um, we're going to invite you, listeners, to give us some feedback. So yes. if you don't agree with us, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that this is and maybe an interesting answer to that question, and not exactly what you would expect. But I would say that one of the things I would want to preserve is the approach of the podcast. Okay. I think that we have hopefully done it in a way that feels accessible and very 
humble and yeah, just a willingness to engage and ask questions. And I think I would like to see that continued. I think that I come from a mindset and I see it in you too, Eric, of I don't know everything by any means. I don't come into this feeling like I have all the answers or that I'm the expert that's going to solve this problem. So really setting it up as a conversation and hearing from other people about what are the ways that they're trying to solve these problems and how do we figure out what works for different contexts and talk that through with each other. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I think that kind of characterizes the the way we've gone about these. I'd I'd like that to continue for sure. I think so in maybe in a similar vein, kind of the a little bit of the messiness of our mm-hmm. approach and the and the and hopefully the room for our, our guests to be messy. Yeah. Uh, in the sense that we're not trying to be purists ourselves and, and we don't expect our guests to be purists about some kind of urban vision of what it's supposed right. to be like. But really recognizing that there's something important here that we need to pay attention to, but also recognizing that there's a lot of messiness there. You know, we can have guests that that don't like living in the city for a variety of reasons, or they're, they're really they've tried something and it's failed, and they've they were disappointed. And room for that perspective, I think, is going to be a lot more helpful for the actual pastors and church leaders out there that are trying to work in this particular vein, rather than just being discouraged. Oh, I don't, I don't, can't do it quite like those people do it. Right. We, I do think there's something really exciting here, but it's it's also really complicated. You know, I, I talk about you know, parking isn't nearly as important as people think it is. And ne- but we have parking issues at our church. And, <laughs> and I've got people who complain to me about the lack of parking. And I can't just ignore them. Uh, and some, especially people who are elderly or handicapped or whatnot, really need access to parking. And I, uh, and I gotta, I gotta figure out how to, to work with them and, and serve them. And so I, I, anyway, I want us to continue to have messy guests that way that are trying to figure it out with us. So, um, Let's dream a little bit about uh, season two, what what we might do differently or tr- try something new. What do you think? What do you like to try? I think a couple different things. One, I think it would be interesting to bring in some lay people who are maybe working in the industry in some respects. So real estate, architecture, construction, these sorts of things. And who are maybe thinking about how do I do this with my own church? Or maybe they're already actively kind of pushing their church in that direction. I think that'd be fascinating to hear from people who are doing that. So if there's anyone out there, let us know. <laughs> because yeah, and I think that that's what's been interesting for me. And even in my work with Proximity Project is, you know, so I'll host a conference and usually I get church lay people there. I mean, I'll get pastors, but I also get church lay people who happen to be in, you know, construction and design type industry. So it's intriguing to them, right? Um, and again, it's kind of the same thing that we've had with guests on our show. Of They come away being like, Oh my goodness, I have a whole new lens for how I do my vocation, right? And I'm like, oh, that wasn't like the goal of this, but that's awesome that that's happening. And so I think, you know, having some stories like that could also provide just a lot of encouragement for people who are attending churches who are working in these types of industries and how they could connect some of those dots with their own church audience or their own church members of where they're attending. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I think where I might go with that is maybe being targeted in some interesting ways. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of uh, season one was organic and how it came together. These are folks that have 
connected with me or maybe connected with you that we know are interested in these same things. And we just put them on the schedule. And, and then whatever they came up with was the story of the day, which has been amazing and, and some great stuff that we've learned. But I think what would be kind of interesting is to, and we could do it different on different seasons, but, you know, pick some cities that are intriguing to us for a variety of reasons and then figure out wh- where are the churches that are, or where's a church that's really doing something interesting in that city. I mean, we're really close here to Portland and Portland has a lot of uh, built environment interest in on the West Coast. And But I don't know in, in particular what churches in Portland are really trying to live into neighborhood uh, ministry stuff. And I could find that out and just, you know, introduce myself to their leadership and see if they'd be willing to be cast or, or maybe to go back through our glossary in the, on the website and pick a couple of words that we think are really important and then figure out what church or leader might be able to help us understand this word better. Right. Um, you know, yeah, just, I like that idea too. Follow that. You know, we, we've talked about gentrification or whatnot that comes up sometimes, but really go after that word. Yeah. So that was going to, that was, in fact, I'm glad that you said that because that was one of my other things that I was thinking I would like to see in season two or other future seasons is digging deeper into some of that because gentrification is a concern and it comes up repeatedly and it's come up on the podcast a few times. And I don't think we, you know, took the space and time to really dig into that deeper. Mm-hmm. And so I think having a way to do that would be helpful for our listeners to give them a better understanding of, of yeah. the issue and, and the tensions around it and some of that. So yeah. Yeah. Other topics interesting to you for season two? I think density <laughs> would be a good one to discuss a bit deeper of what does that exactly mean? Because it's really easy. I think if you live in a city that's undergoing a lot of development, you see people get all up in arms about density and all of the scare tactics around that. And I think if you don't understand all the dynamics there, it's really easy to get swept up in some of that. Uh, so again, helping people think through what does density mean? And maybe that's too dense of a word, but... <laughs> no, it's a great word. Yeah, and there's a lot of ire among people. You know, there's a lot of reasons to complain about density. Right. Um, and and I secretly and not so secretly love the concept in, right. when it's done well. Right, exactly. But I also understand that people, for good reason, when it's done poorly, can be a real hassle. Yeah. Right. And so I think talking about kind of the both sides of it, right? There's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pros to density, but there's also issues that come with it. And so right. it doesn't mean that you just like automatically check yes on anything that adds density, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but educating people enough to understand some of those nuances. Yeah, yeah. I think this might be the steep learning curve to figure out how to do this well, but I think getting some non-white voices on our show would be great. Some ethnic communities. My wife is directing for her spring show in the Heights, which is uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, earlier. It, it was well, the new movie, but it was also his his musical that he did before Hamilton. Well, it's yeah. coming out in movie form. It is, and it's, <laughs> okay. so it's good. a lot of people are going to be thinking about it. But I saw the the <laughs> musical this fall, and was just totally moved by it. It was such a beautiful exploration yeah. of life on a city block, a single city block, and yeah. it was largely a Latino population from Dominican Republic and and Puerto Rico and and what and whatnot. And I, uh, it was such a good story, but it, you know, would love to see like, what is the church's role in that kind of a neighborhood? Yeah. Um, what could the church's role be or what's happening? What are some of the um, challenges that are being faced in those stories? Um, obviously that might tie into gentrification as well, but especially getting to hear that from someone who's, you know, really leading a congregation of a non-white 
congregation yeah. would be really interesting. Oh, I would love so, that. Yeah. So if any of our listeners have any connections there that can help us find some of those stories, I would love to find that. Well, that's a perfect segue for our last part yeah. of this interview. And that is to turn our microphones around, not technically, but kind of metaphorically and ask our listeners to give us some feedback to shape uh, season two, because we think the show will be more useful to you all if you let us know what you are interested in hearing about. And and I, I guess before we ask the specific questions we want feedback on, it might be helpful for us to let you know how you could communicate best with us. So Sarah Joy, you want to tell them a few ways folks can let us know kind of their opinions? Yeah, sure. So you can definitely go to our website and sign up for the email list. We promise not to spam you, but you'll be getting information from us about upcoming seasons and various things as things get unrolled. So the website is www.embeddedchurch.com. And uh, another way that you can send us just a direct email is send an email to info at embeddedchurch.com. That will go to both Eric and myself. And so if you have ideas or questions or anything you'd like to send out to us, we would love to hear from you. So please don't be shy about that. You can connect with us on Instagram too. We're at at Embedded Church Podcast. Yep. yep, yep. Our Instagram name. Um, that's not the easiest form for having a lot of communication, but you can follow us there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we especially want to hear what would be most helpful is if you have a church leader, pastor or layperson that you think might be an interesting guest, let us know, or even a church that you've, you know, you're part of, maybe you don't even know the leadership there, but you kind of think is an interesting story. Let us know. And then topics, I guess, topics that, that you're dealing with in your context and you would love to get some more voices around would be great. Um, oh, I thought of one more, by the way, that I'm going to answer my own question, but loneliness. Oh, in loneliness, terms of... That would be a great topic. A topic, yeah. Yeah. I think loneliness is... Well, I'm not the only one that thinks this, but it's a huge issue. It came up in a couple of our... Among our couple of our guests, but it'd be really interesting to to really um, dive into that with a, with a guest who's who's dealing with that. Or not, not dealing with it personally necessarily, but just dealing with how to serve folks who are dealing with loneliness. Yeah. Right. Right. Cool. So awesome. Um, I think we're, we're winding down. So this is, uh, this is kind of wrapping up our, our 12th and final episode of this season. So listeners, you're going to have to wait a few months. Probably we're talking maybe April or May of 2020. We'll start making new episodes, but in the meantime, you can go and catch up on any episodes that you missed. And you can still uh, share this podcast with friends and other church folks that you know that might be interested. I know there's some of my favorite podcasts actually are ones that were made like three years ago that I just now yeah. discovered. I mean, it's, it's, they, they're still good even after a year after they're made. So um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's, let's spread the word a little bit so we can widen this community. I continue to think that it, there's more than a few churches that are dealing with these kinds of things. And there's not a lot of good um, resources or, or or communities of conversation that can help these churches navigate the challenges they face. So this is yeah. hopefully helpful to all those folks. Yeah, I hope so too. It's been a lot of fun. And again, finding ways to encourage people in the good work that they're doing. It's been a great opportunity and gift for me to yeah. be a part of that. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Sarah Joy, it's been fun doing this project with you. And I look forward to picking up the paper and pencil and sketching yeah. out another another season together. So 
Awesome. Sounds good. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Ciao. Bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Embedded Church Podcast. We hope that you find the stories both inspiring and insightful. Be sure to check out our website, embeddedchurch.com, to find more info about today's episode, learn more about this podcast, and access helpful urbanism resources. And a good review goes a long way, so please take a moment to rate this podcast so we can successfully share more of the stories that shape the Embedded Church.